welcome to the Pillowing Hilltop podcast. I'm here with Paul and Lucas. Hello, Paul and Lucas. Hello, hello, Paul and Lucas. hello, reader. We are about to. Have you learned the Norwegian for hello yet? He has. It's Vilkommen. It's Vilkommen, which is uh, slightly. Yeah, it's Vilkommen. Uh, yeah. This is about to be episode 39. Do you know what's important about episode 39, Lucas and Paul? Yes. It comes after episode 38. It's before episode 40, but most importantly, it's because I think we've finished a book. Yes, it is the first episode of book four. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I rather enjoyed book three, but I think I've had enough lizard folk, <laughs> lizard folk <laughs> for, for a while. A while. Enough yes, received pronunciation. Enough plummy lizard folk. Well, I mean, yes, I mean, that's a bit of a silliness. We are going to go into book four. Book four is called The Hall of Harsh Reflections and is written by Jason Bullman, who is like the chief game designer at Pathfinder, Paizo, and all of that. Um, this, but all these years ago, he was, he was, um, I was going to say, he was knocking one out. I don't mean that. No. All these years ago, he, <laughs> he was knocking out adventures because Paizo were doing Dungeon Magazine for Dungeons and Dragons. They didn't. Pathfinder was just a glint in Jason's eye, I suppose. Anyway, I, have been looking, reading ahead, and I have to say, I think this next book is going to be complicated to do. I mean, really good, but it's going to be very complicated. Oh, good. Without giving away too much, I'm having to have a broom cupboard built on the hilltop so that we can have um, <laughs> private conversations because there's quite a lot of sort of smoke and mirrors, skullduggery stuff coming up. I don't want to, I don't want to, no spoilers. I mean, what do you think about where we are? What did you think of that last adventure? I thought it was very good because you had to, on the one hand, there was, you know, fighty stuff, which is good, but we also had to be sort of inventive and go along with it. Yeah. We split up into two. That That worked really well. I thought Sessions and Parker running off and basically discovering about the eggs the same time as the yes. other crew, you know. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, I'm not explaining myself very well, am I? <laughs> no, no, you are, you are. No, I get it. That little decision point in the story, book three was written by Sean K. Reynolds, who's another deity, as it were, of the RPG adventure writing rules system kind of world. And I thought it was very clever how it sort of confounds expectations. You think old school that you'd be... I don't know, sloshing off into the marsh after lizard folk in order to effectively lay, you know, I mean, to conquer, lay, lay waste, yes. steal their stuff. Yeah. And in the end, it turned out to be a little bit more nuanced, which I really liked. So yes. I thought that was good. The DM presents the normal flow of the story with a sort of decision point. And then you mm. have to decide, ah, okay, so there's obviously something happening here. Do I throw myself into this? Could it be a trap? Yeah. And we're, we're, as a group, we're usually rather wary of those kind of things aren't twitchy we, i think we are yeah. a bit trigger happy yeah you were quite twitchy it was a book which had a quite a lot of variation it was quite a lot of kind of it was a smorgasbord of adventuring wasn't it because you had Twinkle. outside stuff yeah. you had inside stuff you had yeah. swampy you had underground yeah. traditional dungeon crawl you had negotiation you had kind of very funny uh, lizard folk characters so it was quite a rich environment well now you lay it out like that paul yes i suppose it was i mean i just think of it Maybe it's a different perspective if you're, you know, you've read the whole thing before it's done, right? So there were no surprises for me. No, but it felt thank God very, for that. very swampy. I mean, apart from the fact that I hadn't got a clue what I was doing, obviously. Well, didn't but I mean, it was very, very swampy, very lizardy. But I really did enjoy that kind of nuanced story thing. Now, what do you think about what we're about to do? So are you, this is going to, I appreciate this is a... a this is going um, to test us, isn't it? Yes, this is your weak point. But where do you think we're going with this then? I think that the overarching story of the triad and the rise of Kios and there's 
evil about wow. them and undead yes. in the in the mountains and the forests and things like that. I think. Sorry, just a second while I pick myself back off the floor. <laughs> Did you write this down? I've got a script in front of me. Okay, <laughs> fine. Okay, it's fine. That's it. Just for a moment there. I thought. Yeah. Okay. But I um, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, is that we've. I don't know quite where the whole lizardy folk part fits into the overarching the arc of of the story because yeah. yeah. it seems almost to be a bit of a a side thing at the moment but i reckon yeah. there will always be a few little key aspects to it which will become I think important. some strands are going to come We are on together, our way back to Diamond Lake where i expect us to almost have a a revelation which will guide us on to what's going on next as a result of what we've just done yes i think that the keep in its enormity, let's remember it was a vast, a vast. Well, the scale <laughs> is just yeah. ginormous. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there was Two. undead with worms in there, and that's obviously mm. a common factor. So I just expect yeah. the undead to get more powerful and the worms to get bigger. No spoilers, but I suspect you may, you may, you may have got something there, Paul. Yes, you might very well expect things to sort of ramp up a bit. Yeah. It is interesting about how much what we've just done was sort of background or like color or a sort of sideshow and how much of it was plugged into the real kind of the overarching grand adventure well but i mean we can't get into that actually i heard that the uh, the film crew you know the production crew for uh, downton abbey yes they were originally planning to film at the keep and then they decided yes. it was too big it was <laughs> too big and it was too well appointed yeah. Um, yeah, and they just yeah, yeah, yeah echoey. It just jar- so, fast so they went, distances. They went for Downton Abbey instead. They went for they went for Highclere Castle, Highclere, which is yeah, just right. yeah, which obviously which you was could slightly fit, smaller, you could, which you could fit in the kitchen, yeah. frankly, of the keep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, marvelous. Thank you. Well, I suppose we ought to get on. Will Parker Parker's meeting his boss? Oh dear. Oh yes. Well, Ooh, uh, yes, yes. You've encountered his fence. So yes, perhaps there's a moment of reckoning for Parker. In any case, thanks. That was a very interesting chat. It's interesting to hear what you think we've got kind of coming up. And like I said, it's complex and it's very different. And as far as I know, there are no more lizard folk. Maybe one more more lizard folk, actually. (laughs) But without further ado, let us press on with episode 39. I can't believe we got to episode 39, by the way. No. Why not, you crazy diamond? Bad news travels fast, and the reach of the Ebon Triad is great. They have their spies in the forests. They watch the roads. In Diamond Lake, they have their spies in the ale halls and temples. And there are other agents abroad, agents of other organizations, of hidden interests, of syndicates and networks. Who knows who really works for whom? Who knows what is real and what is illusion? Who really knows their friends from their enemies? Who knows the true image from the reflection? And who knows what power may lie behind the glass, scheming, manipulating? What festers in the darkness? Bad news travels fast. News that the schemes of the Ebon Triad in Diamond Lake have been thwarted. 
news that in the Mistmarsh, the spawn and servants of a long-forgotten evil, the dread Chios, the harbinger of the Age of Worms, have been confounded. News too of a small band of heroes who have confronted these evils and, accidentally, succeeded. And rumours that all may not be well between them, and that not all of them may be as they seem. Bad news travels fast, passed on in whispered conversations and cryptic messages, carried by enchanted beasts and transmitted through sorcery and scrying magics. Word spreads through the wilderness, through the villages and towns of the hinterlands, along the rivers and highways. Word spreads until it reaches Evenstar, the city at the edge of the world, and those who stand behind the mirror, watching, waiting. Good evening, good evening, everybody. I am here with uh, Lucas and Johnny and Paul and Graham and Dan, the whole crowd. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Almost Hello. Hello. We're here to play some D&D. Tonight's beer, I'm very sad to say, is still Dry January Big Drop Pale Ale. Well, I mean, it's delicious, but... If it makes you feel any better, I've started to do dry part of January and all of February. So I haven't had a beer <laughs> or a <What>? drink. That's... <laughs> I don't think the hashtag is going to catch on. I know. <laughs> Part of January, all of February. Yeah, no, I started on Monday with the and why, last what's, week what's of January. prompted this? Um, I, finished, I finished a set of lovely beers, and uh, I thought, well, why not? Let's do it again. I'm drinking flat water. North London tap, not sparkling, because my soda stream's run out, and soda stream's been a bit crap trying <laughs> to deliver. So it's, it's flat water. We've got a spare canister if you would like it. Soda stream problems are just like the most 1970s problem I can think of. First world Uh, problem. Oh, thanks, Dan. I've actually just revised my subscription. They do run out, though, don't they? Yeah, I'm on the saver plan, so... Oh, are you? (laughs) So you're further up on the plan. I only drink sparkling water. I don't drink flat water anymore. Are you a a member of some sort of soda stream? Yes. What? They they deliver four canisters every three months. Do you do you have a like little get, group of people sorry, who get you together get and talk four about? canisters every three months? Uh, no, actually, it'd be four months every four months. So you get a canister a month. Yeah, and it works out Bloody ten pounds hell. canister, so it's much cheaper. Ten pounds a canister. Yeah, you have to return the other ones as well. How it's many not cheap. Do you get for a canister? Oh, you get lots. Oh, you get lots. I drink loads of water. You get lots and lots. Yeah, you get lots and lots. I can't believe we've, right. we've degenerated to this you, conversation. The impact what you do is you pretend it's some nice drink. We have elderflower, which we mix in with our spot. Oh, how very muzzle yeah, hill. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Rose, hip and mint. Should we play some D&D? Yes. Uh, where did we leave things? Oh, we left things on the road outside Diamond Lake with Izenfen, the occluded. Yes, Parker. Let's pick things up there. So, yes, Parker's been naughty. <laughs> um, Izenfen is standing before you. She smiles at you and she beckons you all forward. The figures that emerged uh, from the shadows all around you turn out to be Twilight Monks just doing their ninja thing. And she leads you towards the little turning off the main road uh, that she had, in her cat form, she she had been resting in front of. What do you want? Uh, She says Bugroft. Puts a finger to her lips and just beckons you forward a little trail. It leads steeply away from the road and into the forest. And it, if you follow her for a couple of minutes, you find yourself in a clearing. There's a rocky kind of bluff in front of you. And by the time you get to this clearing, it's properly dark. You can hear, I don't know if anybody wants to 
switch on a light spell or something, you can hear the sound of water cascading in front of you, which must be kind of water falling down this cliff in front of you. And then as you get nearer, a light blooms in a cave entrance and standing in the mouth of the cave, eating a clementine, is Hesty Testapod. <laughs> he says, Hey! Oh, I see. Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, who are you? Sorry? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm an NPC from the adventure. You've got any sandwiches? <laughs> I do have sandwiches, Bugraft. Now, come into the uh, come into the cave quickly now, quickly now. Uh, is Enfen, Mistress, many thanks. Uh, I, we will talk shortly. And she sort of melts off into the darkness. She's not had a go at you, Parker. She doesn't seem to be interested particularly in you or anything. And in fact, she seemed pretty mm-hmm. benign. Okay. Did she even sort of like acknowledge me? <laughs> what you won't remember from last week is that when she first uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, appeared, yeah, yeah. she yes, she said Parker, and she sort of she greeted you. Um, she didn't greet the the rest of you particularly, although she acknowledged that you were there. Yeah, she seemed sort of benign. They just sort of melt back into the shadows. You don't know if they're okay. waiting around or or what's happened. But Hesty beckons you into this cave. It's very similar to the Whispering Cairn in terms of the way that it's decorated. The <laughs> multicolored mosaics the uh, kind of bands and patterns along the wall. It looks actually to be a little better nick, but it's a lot, well, so far as what you can see of it, it's a lot smaller. It's really just a sort of single chamber and then a set of sort of shallow steps that lead up to a raised area behind. And you can tell that up on that raised area must be some kind of pool or something, which has got light within it because you can see that rippling light on the ceiling of the cave above it. Okay. There's a simple wooden table laid out in the centre of the room, a low table. And uh, Hesty sort of sits at it. He very carefully adjusts his kimono as he does so. Well, like he says, it's very comfortable. Also, there is Marzana, the battle mage from Blackwall Keep, who you rescued. Yeah. And Hillary, the spirit leader. They're there from the Twisted Branch tribe. And Venderin, Michaela Venderin, who is the, the lieutenant that was dispatched out to uh, Blackwall Keep to pick up Marzana. Getting uh, the band back together. <laughs> It is. It's the gang. It's the gang of people that that left before you that went on ahead, leaving you to deal with the with the nightmare in the cellar. Mm-hmm. And Hesty sort of looks benign. Is sandwich uh, segment? Sandwich. Sandwich. Have you got a scotch egg? Uh, now what do we have here? I've got. Um, oh, I think that we've had a couple of mix-ups. No, maybe not those. What about here? Oh, oh, a salmon with dill. Nobody wants duck and licorice, do they? No. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, egg. Just egg, I'm afraid. Oh, I want a scotch egg. It's a substantial snack. Mm, it's a full meal, I think. Well, I can serve drinks with the scotch egg. <laughs> scotch egg. Uh, talking mm. of drinks. And he kind of gestures you to join them around this this table. There's not room for you all to sit at it, but you can all sit in a circle near it. Yeah. He says, now, all of you, um, we must be careful. There are worrying developments in town. There are outsiders visitors and they are asking questions questions about you questions about the care oh really i wonder whether or not the uh tentacles of this ebon triad cult spread a little further than we may have anticipated and i don't think it's safe for you to return to town i think instead we need to learn more about what's going on and you must travel to evenstar evenstar I'm going home. Yes, you are going home, Cuthbert, and uh, I'm not sure what effects that may have on your fortunes. Yeah, well, we'll just wait and see. But we have questions that I cannot answer, but someone in Evenstar who I trust to perhaps give us more information. An old colleague of mine, a fellow student of mine, uh, her name is Eligos. 
and she lives in the street of fountains. And uh, her address, I shall scribble down. And he sort of takes a scrap of paper. He scribbles down a scrap of paper. He doesn't scribble down a scrap of paper. Why would he do that? <laughs> he scribbles on a scrap of paper quickly, kind of hands over this little chit of paper to uh, Cuthbert, let's say. That's uh, her address. Now, the question is what you can tell her and what you can show her. What have we amassed in our adventures so far? Uh, let's see now. What have you found? What do you mean? What Some scrolls. The orrery. The scrolls. The orrery, yes, yes, the orrery. He sort, of, he sort of, if you're producing stuff, yeah, he's sort of assembling it on the table. We have the scrolls, yes. Now, these are the ones that you decoded, the ones with the secret writing on. Yes, now, so this is something with the, the faceless The letters. Cuddly toy. Cuddly toy. <laughs> <laughs> Food processor. Picnic camper. I think you'd have, have to have a look at the old scoreboard. That joke. Yes. <laughs> and English. <laughs> good game, good game. Most of the jokes that are going on here in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have to be quite We've got some English from the man who's on the SodaStream mailing list. <laughs> yeah. Forty got... years of experience. Is that where you want it, Johnny? We've got oh, the... the TV used to be great in those days, watching conveyor belt with cuddly toys on it. Proper TV. Yes, thanks. Proper, That's proper TV. TV. Proper TV. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we've got <laughs> now we've got Brexit. We can go back to proper TV. We've got um, the glass vials. A bit of politics for you there. We've got the worm yes, goo. Yes, glass. Oh, yes, these. Yes. Mm, he picks those. Oh, I say. And he holds those up to the light a little bit. Okay, yes. Obsidian. We've got the worm goo. Have you uh, investigated these at all? Not yet. Not yet. The worm goo? You mean the vial of um, the worm goo, the dried coffee. worm goo. Oh, the burnt stuff. The burnt the... stuff, yeah. The... Oh, okay. Oh, We've got yeah, some syringes as well, I seem to remember, that yes. one's ignored. Oh, from, um, oh, what's his, what, what was his name? The um, Filge, the awful Filge. Filge. Yes. We've got an uh, example of He'll one. be waiting for you in Even Star, no doubt. <laughs> We've got a ring with a seven-pointed star design. Yes, I, I'm familiar with this. Is this is the uh, seekers? Yes, I don't think that this need trouble us. We've got a wrestling belt. Wrestling belt. <laughs> <laughs> you have got a wrestling belt and the tridents. Yes, I don't know that these are. I'm really more interested in in in, in, in artifacts directly related to the Ebon Triad. Um, so perhaps right. the scrolls. Uh, what's this journal? This is Theldrek's journal, is it? Yes, yes, yes okay. Um, and there's a scrap of scrap of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Scrap of paper? Show me. What, which scrap of paper? The scrap this, of paper was in a mask. Oh, it. he looks at that. He looks a bit startled when he sees that. Why? What does it mean? What does it say? I can't remember. I can't either. <laughs> when did we find that? In the mask. It, oh, if the you remember one. The, in the, 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 the sort of the underground lair, the northernmost one with the weird eye wall and the, the Chapel stuff of like Asmodee that. you found Chapel in of the mask of the guy of the, of, the, remember. of the leader <laughs> of the famous yeah. one. It's a little snippet of a letter or a piece of uh, torn out of a journal or something. Um, and it sort of starts abruptly and ends abruptly because it is just torn off. It says, was asking about a can in the hills. The first time I saw it, I was on the hill above the boneyard. It was tall, elegant in stature ebony of skin with burning white eyes and it watched me silently something about it seemed ancient i didn't realize then that i had met M that's what it says and as you're looking at that and rereading it hesty is at the back of the cave with his with his chattels with his big chest of stuff you know the big chest of stuff that he dragged all the way to black wall keep and then yeah. teleported back away with he's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of rummaging and he kind of brandishes this a very similar looking little snippet of paper. He wanders over. I think it's the same, isn't it? Not? And he kind of lays the two out and he sort of smooths them down and they do actually indent. The second piece just picks up, I true love. In fact, it was many months before we met again and then in very different circumstances. It might be fair to say that I saved his life. 
since it was I who happened across him as he was being accosted by Gadow and his deputy, the young lad Cubbins. If I had not been there, they may have felt free to act as they willed. Instead, he was forced to give up the treasure he had found, that strange lantern, but at least he escaped unharmed. From that moment on, some destiny seemed to... Dr That's what mm. the other scrap of paper says. I don't understand it that. It does seem to say, oh, running on, so when you put it together, I mean, I've given you the two sections, something about it seemed ancient. I didn't realise then that I had met my true love. In fact, it was many months before we met again. That's how it, they kind of stick together. Mm -hmm. Can somebody give me an insight check? Insight? Uh, insight check, Oh, yeah. Cuthbert gets a 23. That's better than me. I got a 15. Hesty is not telling you everything he knows about war or he's not sharing everything he's thinking about when he's looking at these pieces of paper hester you don't seem to be telling us everything you're thinking when you're looking at question from you purple bearing in mind that your insight check was so poor <laughs> <laughs> i'll let paul say it <laughs> there's no sense cuthbert that he's being malicious or being deliberately misleading you just got the sense that there's something going on behind the eyes. Ask what you want to ask. Um, Hesty, is there anything else you'd like to tell us? Well, I don't really know. It's just um, it's strange, these old stories, these old memories. Where did you find the bit of paper? I've had this piece of paper in my possession for many years. And do you know what? Bugraft, I can't quite remember how I acquired it. For the light, I, I just say maybe I am getting old. Anyway, no matter. Let's move on. What else do we have? We have uh, these scrolls. We have now. Where is Aha? No, don't deflect. He lights upon the worm in the canister. Don't it's let very him deflect. This you must take with you. It's, I'm sorry, Burple. I'm, I'm sort of going out of character. I'm saying to to Paul as opposed to in character. Don't let him deflect. I can't intervene in this conversation, but he's got something there that he's not sharing. So prize it out of him. Cuthbert's like, surely you can remember where you got that paper from. I honestly can't. Can't, um, but there is something. Who do you think that, it wrote it? That is a very good question. Um, Sessions, a very good question. Let me ponder on this a bit, and perhaps we should talk of it later. But first, let us talk about what you might take to Elegos in Evenstar. Ah, uh, yeah. And he so starts Elegos. Sorting. Oh, sorry, can through. I just chip in something? I need to tell him about my my vision of the a water. Vision. Yes, there is the mirror. The mirror. He looks at you, he fixes you with a gimlet stare, Parker. And he says, yes, Parker and his visions. We'll talk a little bit about that more later as well. Now, let us <laughs> get to it. What can you take with you? The worm most certainly Eligos must see. The scrolls, I think. These, um, he finds he, his hands, he's kind of picking up stuff and moving it, sorting it, examining it in front of you. Mm -hmm. What he seems to be interested in is... The scrolls that the faceless one had written on in code. He's interested in Theldrek's journal. He's interested in the worm in the canister. He's interested in Graalak Kerr's crazed writings. He doesn't include the little scrap of paper. He doesn't seem to think that's relevant, which I don't know if you find that interesting or not. That, I think, is kind of enough. And obviously your story. You take all these things and you take your story to Eligos. You must communicate to her what it is that you have learned, difficult though that may be for you. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, while he's doing all his thinking, can he identify yes. the trident? Uh, oh, gracious. Well, you should brandish this giant thing with kind of necrotic energy. So yes, well, we need to know what it does. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. Well, I can, I'm sure. I, I, yes, I can probably tell you a bit more about it. Why don't we leave that till later as well? Why don't we just focus on the matter at hand? If we organise these um, these artefacts, let's package these. And, um, a vendor, in, uh, would you package these up securely, please? And get the bundles from the back, please, of the cave. Vendrin comes back 
with some sacks. She sort of drags them one at a time. They're kind of they're quite bulky, but not super heavy. She organizes them up against one side of the cave as you're all sort of sitting around. She gets a chest and she starts padding it out and putting these items in this chest. Mm-hmm. Hesty looks at you, Sessions. Mm-hmm. And he looks at you, Burple. And he says, Sessions, Burple, may I borrow you for a moment? And he stands up and he beckons you forward. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just step this way a little, just to the stairs here. Right. Mm. And he takes you up. It's a relatively roughly shaped cave with these little ceramic decorations woven in it. Very like the entrance to the original Whispering Cairn where you first started your mm-hmm. adventures. And like I said, up a very short flight of three steps. There's a terraced area at the back and there's a pool, beautiful pool. It's quite disturbed. The, the, the surface of it is quite disturbed. And he seems to be interested by the fact that the surface is disturbed. And he sort of walks you up to the edge of the pool. Like, he's sort of like your first swimming lesson. Right? <laughs> he sort of walks you up there. Here's some armbands. And he's sort of looking at you intently. He says, yes, 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 that is very interesting. Parker, Cuthbert, Bugraft, you're watching this take place. You notice something that perhaps Burple and Sessions don't notice. And that is that Burple's longsword and Sessions' diadem just start to glow with a kind of faint lilac radiance. <gasps> Sessions, you can't see that. Mm-hmm. But Hesty cranes in to look. So you see his face is bathed in this. Where is that light coming from? This weird. And, and then, of course, Burple, you look around and you realize you look down to your side. You realize that in that little micro gap between the, the hilt and the top of the scabbard, your sword is lighting up. You withdraw it a little, and it is. It's kind of. It's like. Are these artifacts from the Windjukes tomb? They are. They're from the. They're from the tomb of Zosiel. Mm. Yes. Ah. He looks at both of you, and he takes a long look at both of you, and he says, "Yes, it is as I thought. It is as I thought. You must take very great care of those two objects, my mm. friends. Very great care. Now to more business. Um, and he sort of he whistles in a kind of a kind of. <laughs> kind of i can't do i've never been any good at whistling but he does that sort of almost like a kind of animal like a kind of yeah and izenfen appears almost instantly in the cave mouth uh, she smiles at all of you uh, and he says ah mistress yes now um to our next order of business let us talk shall we to parker now parker would you accompany me please thank you sessions thank you Burple. you may return to your seats uh, okay, but we're doing the doing the trident soon, yeah? What what does this yes. glowing mean? Well, now that is a very good question, Burble, and perhaps something that we should come to in a moment. But all in good time. We have much to get through this evening, and you what? have a long way to travel. You started this. You basically said, "Oh, it is as I thought." So you obviously know why they're glowing. So spill. In the most general terms, Burple, I believe that they are glowing because they are Windjuke artifacts, and this pool, although it's absolute purpose and power is still a mystery to me but we may find out a little bit more if you will just let me concentrate on parker for a moment (laughs) (laughs) is somehow linked to the wind duke's power and the uh, reaction of your two the two of zosiel's artifacts to proximity to the pool rather confirms my guess now if you would let me continue parker if you'll step towards me please is infen is this okay uh, 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 this is okay with you is it and is infen just nods she looks at you parker and she says, whatever you see, you must not tell anyone. Not myself, not Hesty, not anyone. Oh, it's a bit like the Matrix. <laughs> and Hesty says, oh, you're being dramatic again, mistress. It's not going to be anything terribly exciting, Parker, I'm sure. In fact, maybe nothing will happen at all. But if you wouldn't mind just stepping up here. Stepping into Don't the Don't do it. Don't as, do it. It's a trap. As you start stepping up the steps, Parker, the pool starts to still. Ooh. Like, literally every step you take, it becomes stiller. 
Mm-hmm. Hesty looks very intently at you as this happens. He looks at the pool, he looks at you, and he says, well, this is perhaps as I imagined. And as you step right up to the edge of the pool, it's if like a mirror. A mirror, exactly. Maybe you glance nervously over your shoulder at the others, and his Zen Fen is looking at you very intently. And then she nods and just says, remember what I said, Pa? Well, look in the mirror then. And you look into the pool, Parker. Right. And I won't discuss now what you see. Uh. What the rest of you see is that Parker becomes transfixed, maybe for sort of six, seven, eight seconds, and then shakes his head and sort of staggers back. Hesty steadies him with a hand and walks him down. Mm. What did you see? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all. Uh, and then we will mm. move on to now blanked we must get you organized we must get you organized to travel Venderin has finished moving these shifting these sacks from the back of the cave she breaks them open they're militia uniforms you can't travel as yourselves you must travel in some sort of form of disguise you we must you must not draw attention to yourselves whoever is asking questions whoever is interested in you what we i believe is plausible is that since Venderin is taking marzana and hillary here to even star as a result of, of events at, at Blackwall Keep. She will need to take a guard with her, and I think that this will pass uh, at least a cursory inspection. And Vendorin starts handing out militia gear to you. It's basically just sort of padded black leather armor with mail and insignia on it. Yeah, it's like the even star um, ranger militia, which is the troops that are in the uh, outward kind of regions and towns. She starts handing that out to you. Obviously, they don't have any. Um restrictions on portly hobbits joining then no 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 <laughs> it's uh, an inclusive fully inclusive excellent mm-hmm. hobbit sized uh, ever since government. biden's um, executive order was passed just yesterday <laughs> while that is happening and they're handing stuff out and they're kind of packing stuff up he says we rest overnight here in in the cave and then um you must set off tomorrow and and not go into town Okay, so why you, you'll deal with the trident now? Who, whoever these people are at large who are asking questions, I do not wish them to know that you are travelling to even star if we can help it. That hasn't Brain, been established. And I also do not... Hasn't been established. One thing at a time. It's wishful thinking. What would be a good idea, all of you, is if you concentrated on things that are important first, and then at the end... <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> concentrate on things that are less important. Is, important. is Hesty Testipod... Channeling the frustration of a dungeon master. No, no, not at all. We can do things in any order. Uh, you get the, you get the distinct sense that he is more than willing. You've got a whole night ahead of you to rest up, to discuss, to identify magic items, to talk about other things. Mm. But you get the sense that he is in a hurry to get through the stuff that he has got yes. uh, slated for now. Yes. <laughs> he seems to have concluded his business. He doesn't look like he's resolved anything. On, on to any other business. As many questions as answers, you think, is how Hestia is reacting to what's just taken place. Uh-huh. It looks like some suspicions of his has been confirmed, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has any answers. The trident of yours. Let's have a look at it. Oh, you don't want to interrupt me anymore. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> I think we've I been think we're interested in the trident. Yeah. I think the trident is, is evil. One second. Hold on, I'm just going to find it. Uh... Here we go. Where's this fucking trident? Sorry. It's not what Hesty says. Who's <laughs> that fucking Jesus. trident? <laughs> well, it is evil. Yes, Burple, you're right. I don't know that it would make one evil through wielding it, but its origins are evil. Its origins uh, hmm. are draconic, I feel. Right. Oh, 
there is a presence, a dark spirit behind this item. He sort of rests a hand on it. So, yeah. But I suppose it could be used. What you learn is that it is a plus one returning necrotic trident. Doesn't it do lightning? It does 1d6 extra necrotic damage on a successful strike with a save DC of 13. It requires attunement. It has got a range increment of 20 foot, 60 feet. So it's it's okay, but it's not amazing. Didn't it do lightning? The returning bit one. It didn't do lightning, no. Are you thinking of the king zapping yeah. you with stuff? Yeah, he was zapping you with a power of his own. Oh, I thought it was a trident. <laughs> <laughs> you were very keen on the trident. That's why I was keen on the trident. There was um, an acid attack from the king, yeah? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that was just the king. What about these dark glass vials? Can we talk to her? Ah, let's have those? a look at these. Have you investigated these anymore? Have you opened have you no. any of them? He picks one up. Um, it seems to have a little passenger. He sets a little wear light at the end of his staff, holds the vial in front of it. And there is a, it's a kind of smoky glass vial, almost as if it's been deliberately selected to make the contents a little bit more difficult to see. Mm-hmm. In there, irrespective of what the liquid is, there's a tiny little green worm. And is that the same for all of them? It's the same for all of them, yeah. I, I don't know if the, the, the contents would be harmless if the worms were removed very possibly. But it looks like these were set to trap the unwary. Goodness knows what would happen if one was to ingest one of these. Huh. Doesn't bear thinking about <laughs> Gotcha. Interesting. I mean... These don't seem like the same uh, species as our friend here. He picks up the, the one in the tube. Filge from they Filge. Didn't... Yes, this is very different entirely. This looks rather worrying. I wonder quite how these uh, would infect one. Well, uh, you must take one of these, certainly, to Eligos. Uh, she would be very interested. It's, uh, it helps to build up the picture. Now, I suggest we all get a good night's rest. Well, first of all, we must bid uh, farewell to Izenfen, who has very kindly uh, visited us here this evening. Before Izenfen leaves, I was going to ask you if there would be an opportunity to, I mean, presumably it would be good form to maybe just have a quick word with the boss along the lines of do you want to try and grab her attention yeah what do you want to do yeah basically why are the other people are looking at the trident uh, okay sure uh, parker um, yes just sort of um you've been um <laughs> been a naughty boy an exciting time parker <laughs> yes um i mean i suppose i would take on a bit of a sheepish tone in the long along the lines of uh you know I mean, she just looks at you like you're mad. She says, really, Parker, after all this, I thought you could have approached this conversation with more maturity. (laughs) Excuse me, miss. Ah. (laughs) No, but, um, you know, broach the subject of along the lines of... um, You've been away, Parker. Destiny is at play here, and I'm, I'm not in the mood to chide you. Right. And when the time comes... You will return to us. Clearly you have a gift, Parker. A gift that I have not known apart from in my own poor lost daughter, Imonoth, and myself. Uh, okay. His eyes light up. Right. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Your do, eyes if you're do green, light. do you blush green? Or <laughs> blush blue or something? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, well, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, so basically, as in, I think that's sort of what I wanted to establish. Mm. We're like, we're good. It's Okay. I assume at some stage or other. Yeah, she doesn't use so, phrases like "we're good." Well, yeah, um, she's not that kind of person. Talking amongst ourselves here, paraphrasing. Yeah, she's preparing to leave. Um, um, Hesty just holds up a hand in sort of farewell. He's now preoccupied by the bottles, which he's now moving around and he's sniffing each one of them and going, "Oh." One last question. Yes. Why? Why am I not allowed to tell people about the vision that I had? 
Or the, what I saw in the mirror. Parker, you know what you saw, yes? Well, not at the moment. It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, I know what I saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so I don't need to explain to you why you must tell me. <laughs> Brilliant. And now, awesome. nodding understanding or something, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I must go, but before I do, Cuthbert, ouch, splinter. Um. <laughs> you shall yes. not return to your matriarch with Calamanthus. Uh, no, I shan't. It is not a substance to be trifled with. We sell to our agents in Evenstar, and they make sure that use is proportionate or used to expand the consciousness, whereas your family <laughs> farm the addicts. They farm them like cattle. We shall certainly not be setting up a line of credit or a line of supply to you or your awful grandmother. <gasps> and now I must go. Don't talk about granny oh, did like tell that. tell her about the, uh, the monk's deal at the, and the bugbears? She says, what monk's deal with the bugbears? <laughs> <laughs> You've rather diplomatically not mentioned the drug deal. To anyone so far. Did we right. uh, do a dispel magic on those gems? No. No. Why don't we do that now? What, in front of her? <laughs> no. No, <but> tonight <laughs> while we're resting up overnight. And then she's off. Right. Uh, with one final thing. She looks very significantly at Hesty, and then she looks at you, Burple. Oh, yeah. And she says, Burple, what do you remember of your mother? <laughs> what, from a psychological sense? Are you trying to psychoanalyze me? Your or? mother. <laughs> Somebody give me a perception check. Oof, um, Not Burple, who's looking at his oh, Enfen. Okay. She's standing framed in the, the cave mouth on her way out. It's like a weird last second question. Ooh, uh, 16. So, Parker, you're looking at your boss, but you're not so distracted not to notice that the, when she asked that question, Hesty's glance just darts to the little scraps of paper on the table. Mm -hmm. Do you remember anything of her, Burple? Backstory. Um, not not much. Backstory yet to be written. <laughs> so well, grew up cute. with her in in uh, on the hoof. Diamond Lake. <laughs> not really. Don't never knew my dad. I thought you grew mm. up in a dustbin or something. I did. How well, no, I moved into Do you remember? Do you remember um, how she died? She died from the Red Death. I seem to remember the Red Death. Yes, a long time ago. A long time ago. One day, you and I must talk about her. Well, why but not for now? now and she just goes whoosh, into a little black cat, which then just scuttles off. Well, you obviously car. know something. Maybe she's <laughs> you your shout, mother. You shout to the empty cave. Yeah, man. I shout yeah. to the empty. Oh, bloody monks. More questions than answers. Um, hmm. Does anybody want the trident? Well, I can't use it. No, it doesn't have any proper abilities. Uh, possibly, yeah. I'll swap it with you, John. Hmm? <laughs> I'll lend you my trident, and you're lending <laughs> me your uh, rod. Okay, that's... Doesn't sound too bad. It's not too bad at all. Uh, are you going to write it down the character sheet, Jules? Uh, yes. Yes. Write it down. Write it down on the character sheet. Sounds okay. Though it is a bit evil. It is. It's, it's is used evil. for good. I'm sure you can use it for good. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it just does necrotic damage, that's all. Yeah. Right. Hesty can identify the uh, glass files as well, the liquids within. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they're safe to consume is another question. Mm-hmm. So these are the these are the vials with the tiny green worms. Got a stack. You had six of some and four of another. 
Yeah, they've all got yeah. tiny green worms in. They've all got tiny green worms in. That's exactly right. The four that you found separately mm-hmm. that all seem to be the same, but maybe different from the other group that you have, they each contain a worm, unfortunately, but they are potions of healing, common potions of healing, which is 2d4 plus 2. There are two potions of superior healing. They are 8d4 plus 8 each. Mm-hmm. There is a potion of haste. Mm-hmm. There is a potion of invisibility. And there are two potions of bull strength. Now, do we have that? Uh, do you know? Five E. Yes, there's something like that in a cleric spell. I think. Is it called enhance ability? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, let me just have a look. Here we go. Enhance ability. So, and then you've got two potions. Yes, two potions of bull strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which basically means that you just get it. I mean, they're not super useful. They're not as useful as the old bull strength potions in our old games, but yeah. uh, that's what they are. Vantage on strength checks. Uh, yeah, and I mean, carrot, useful if you're doing strength-related tasks, but they don't they don't ripple up into enhanced attack bonuses and all of that. Yeah. That's what you've got. You might want somebody who really knows what they're doing to have a look at them as to see whether or not removing the worms would make them safe. This Eligos uh, person sounds like, you know, a, a possibility. I mean, they could be also used as nasty stuff. Yes, absolutely. You can keep them as, as they is. are. Okay. Hestia is certainly, you must, of course, keep them intact until Eligos has had a chance to, well, at least one or two of them until Eligos has had a chance to inspect them because we must, uh, we must try and work out how, how they are ingested and how they, and how they work. Yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think perhaps some rest and then tomorrow more adventures. Sounds good. Sounds like a marvellous idea. I, I always like a long rest. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a long rest, but you can rest up overnight. You can recover or prepare your spells for the following day. Hesty sits cross-legged for a long time, looking at the items on the table and sort of thinking away, meditatively eating clementine segments. Does that trident require attunement? It does. Yeah, I can't quite understand why why we're meeting his friend in the city. What's she going to be able to do? Eligos, she knows more about these things. What'd she look like? So we know how to find her. Well, when I knew her, she was a flame-haired, a very imposing uh, individual, I must confess that we correspond, but I haven't seen her now for 10 years. I understand that she's perhaps a little bit greying now. She's wealthy. She knows more about these artifacts and bits of paper and stuff, you think? That's precisely it, Bugraff, which is why I think that you should take these items to her. Yes, exactly. And we go in with this livery of the guards wearing them. Our ruse may not uh, survive close inspection. I'm just concerned that if people are asking questions about you in town, that it is maybe best that they don't know that you've uh, visited and then moved on. It might uh, gain us a little bit of an advantage. We don't want to be, do we, Cuthbert? Crashing around like an eight-year-old with a bag of bells. <laughs> Before we take no. a long rest, can we do these dispel magics on these gems, please? Ah, yes, these gems. You see, um, we should talk about these gems if we're going to go into Evenstar. Mm-hmm. Considering that they belong to my granny. But they don't. She spent them. Mm. She may not view it like that. And in fact, She doesn't we, need to know. Well, she may already know. And... How? Well, I don't know. She has networks of spies everywhere. And have you told her? I wouldn't know. I have not told her. I, right. So she won't know. So we dispel magic on these gems. Well, I would suggest that there's also a possibility that if we take these gems to her, it could actually benefit us, rather than putting other people in danger. Other people being who? Not me. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) Yes. How do you mean, not you? Well, I'm an out splinter. 
but aren't you responsible for this clusterfuck? No, in no way, shape or form am I responsible for this clusterfuck. Mm, not sure about that. Well, you can try and explain it to her. No, we just hanging upside down. We don't right, need to explain it to her. We just never off. needs to know. Can we do this dispel magic? No one want to do it. Yeah, I can't do it, but nor can I. Or uh, can I? I can't either. Can no one do dispel magic? Well, that was a short conversation. Oh, I can <laughs> do it. We worked out who had them, didn't we? Yes, I've got um, one. You've got one. Burple's got Burple's one. Burple's got one, and Parker's got one. And Parker's got one. Will you do it? Sure. You can always return them. Can we dispel magic? You're, you're resting up for the night, but um, sessions is you're you're getting these gems together. Are you doing this in the within sight of Hesty? Are you doing it? No, so, I'm sure we will do this surreptitiously somewhere. Okay, so you sort of come up with a pretext to leave the cave, perhaps with these with these well, items. Yeah, two of them. Cuthbert's not going to have the dispel magic done on his. I mean, that's something between yourselves. Yeah. And you take them somewhere quiet um, sessions and you cast a spell magic on them, right? Yeah, well, I think you have to do it three times, don't you? One for each gem. Are we really sure we want to do that? What? Given Cuthbert's advice at this stage, I don't know. I'm wary that maybe one of our tasks at Evenstar is, um, I think those are our two tasks. One is to visit, basically, Cuthbert's mother. Is it? Grandmother. Grandmother, sorry. Granny. Should we head off? So, for clarity, we spent time, we recovered these gems from an undead bugbear in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What part of that does not make them ours, rightfully ours? But it's not about them being rightfully ours. It's about the... Matriarch um, Outsplinter thinking that they might be rightfully hers. Time for another non-alcoholic beer. And <laughs> also, yeah, the, the, the sinecure that we may gain by returning them may well outweigh the monetary value of these gems. How, what is the, the 15,000 GP each? GP's worth. Is it 50,000 each? I thought it was 5,000 each. No, 5,000 each. 5,000 each. So 15,000 GP's worth of... You had a little yeah, but... look at them and you, you had a sort of go at... An estimate, saying them estimation of about you thought minimum of five thousand a piece minimum of five thousand minimum yeah well also you you one of the things considerations is your again a, a, admittedly another guesstimation which was how much calamanthus was on that cart that burnt yes because it was pretty colossal quantity of calamanthus the other side using of the that deal. as a rule of thumb you would have thought for example that fifteen thousand gold might be a bit light right. having a if you're bearing in mind how much there was but studying them just as gems. Mm -hmm. 5,000 minimum. Did I get one? God, no. Why not? You don't qualify. It's up to you to decide how formally you have allocated them to individuals. It was just, I think we'd allocated them in case something happened. But right now, it doesn't matter. They're sort of sitting in the middle of us. No, they're not. I was absolutely clear with you. I I had to know who was carrying one. Yeah. Three of them aren't sitting in the middle. One of them's with me. You can do with the other two as you obviously want, but... One of them's with me. And you're basically going to return it? Oh, yes. Unless, of course, we consume it as a spell component. <laughs> <laughs> what spell did you have in mind? Revivify. Revivify. Oh, I see. So my thinking is, one, if we did that, I don't think that would be a problem, given that we're returning them and we could sort of say, you know, we were in trouble and we had to do this. Or you'd have got none back. Yeah. Better you, you got two than none. Getting you got two than none. So that Who would do be we need to revivify. And my 
Well, if we get into some scrape and we need to revivify one of us. And the second point is these things have been marked in some way. We didn't understand what the magic it was with which they've been marked. We just know they're marked. So what I'm trying to say is if we were to get to the point where let's say you were going to distinguish this mark and given that Cuthbert isn't prepared to distinguish his mark, if these are some kind of tracker and whoever is tracking them will then suddenly see, oh, two of the marks have disappeared. And then if at some stage or other Cuthbert goes back and, I don't know, hands the one gem in and then it would be reasonably clear that we've got the other two. I'm just wondering whether it's worth our while. I know it's a lot of money, but I'm thinking that there are more, you know, there's more value to be got by returning these and us, you know, bridging the gap here. I mean, obviously, as far as I can work out, Cuthbert's family is currently the outsplinters aren't in very good uh what's the word um they're not being seen in a very good light by the monastery at the moment you know presumably one of our tasks could maybe be to repair that um rift and that could be worth a lot more money to us than just hiding some gems well i guess it depends on what you what you want to do i mean essentially you're talking about pandering to the mafia right so from from uh my position of trying uh, you know of, of being a a good guy i have little interest in that i'm quite happy to fight anybody that she sends against us if she has if if that's the way that she wants to to play it do you know what i mean okay. it's it's like yeah the, the problem is that paul is trying to effectively play our hand for us because i i would well, know he's, they, only, they, he's they trying to play his to hand us. for him um, mm. if i'm if i'm honest i'm trying to play my hand for the you know, I mean, there was a transaction took place between monks of the monastery and the outsiders. A transaction that was that was completed, as far as we know. Yeah. You know. Right. So I thought point, it was a transaction so, that the monastery didn't want to happen. I'm pretty certain yeah. we were just told that. Yes. Mm-hmm. The monastery but didn't none. want to happen, but the Calamanthus so if anything, is what, the, the is what belongs belong to, to the monastery. Yes. They lost their yeah. Calamanthus and they got no money. So if we would yes. return it to anyone, we should return the diamonds to the... Uh, I agree. Monastery, they're out. I agree. Of the the Calamanthus is what basically she wanted, and the Calamanthus got burnt by bugbears. So that's not our problem. There is a potential advantage, but it's an unknown advantage. You, yeah, you know what I mean, it's it's. But just doing a dispel magic on these things now, when I mean, let's face it, we've been carrying these things around with us for a while. So if whoever's been tracking this has probably got a pretty good idea now of who is carrying these things. Hesty Testapod, what do you make of this? It, the magic that are on these gems. He, um, you startle him from a reverie. <laughs> I'm sorry, Burple. I was, uh, I was, my mind was elsewhere. And um, you, you dis, dis, sorry, what, you, what were you discussing? We were discussing these, these gems. I'll hold up one of these diamonds. Oh, goodness. He kind of leans forward. <laughs> there is a magical enchantment on them. What do you oh, make of it? Is there? Let me have it. May I, um, he yes, reaches his hand do. out. That's fine now. Thank you very much. Go <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, take it off. That is, uh, uh, Cuthbert. Have you seen these? Yes. I think these belong to your family. He holds they it, do. so it turns it in the light. <laughs> yes. Why would you say that? And, uh, well, because Why would they you say belong the f- instead of belonged. These have been placed with a tracer on them, haven't they? In order uh-huh. to track someone who's 
best stolen them. And the tracer things. will do what? Well, anybody who... Uh, well, uh, will it be enabled- you're asking me to speculate, Burple, but if I'm correct about the enchantment on this item, then whoever owns it will know exactly where it is. Yeah. Yeah, so they'll know I exactly wouldn't... where it is, but can they see through it? Well, I certainly don't want to hold on to it. I don't want that woman after me. Goodness gracious. Okay, why don't we take a vote? It's the only way to, uh, to be sure. I vote that we remove the enchantment and keep them. Okay. Paul votes the other way, that we give them back to her. Yes, of course. Lucas. I vote that we don't remove the enchantment. What will actually happen in terms of us meeting up with this woman, possibly returning or whatever, I think that's speculation about the future. So None of the above. <laughs> unless we can agree we're going to remove all three enchantments, then I would be of the opinion we should remove none of them. Yeah, I I'm, I would agree with that, but that's basically what I'm proposing. I mean, I think, if I may um, venture an opinion, um, fellows, Yes, I'm not sure how you have acquired these. Uh... Oh, is this what you were after? Of course you know night? how we acquired these. We tracked down the bugbear and got them back. Oh, this is what you were after that night. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, there we are. Well, <laughs> yes, you seem to have been very... Uh, Diligent. I was going to say you've been very thoroughly rewarded for your yes for your for your efforts. I'm not sure what the mark signifies in terms of what one should do if an item is marked as being the property of a particular individual. A mark that actually helps that individual trace that item. I would have thought that the possession of such an item would be riven with difficulties. On the other Unless hand, that enchantment is removed. You're absolutely correct, Purple. It is even something that I might be able to do. <laughs> the question is whether or not I would. And I, I'm i ever so grateful for everything that you've taught me about the can and all of your efforts in helping unearth the mystery of the Ebon Triad. <laughs> but this side issue, your own personal affairs, I, I must not involve myself. <laughs> what I would say is if one is to take items clearly marked and traceable back, as it were, into the lair of the beast, one must be very, very careful. The outsplinters, a cuthbit aside, he is but a little sproglet, are not to be trifled with. Actually, so, Gra- okay, so um, Graham, what's your vote? Hi. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's something we can actually spend the money on mm. at this point. I would rather hang on to them, and if we need to... And we'll even star there will be. Convert them into um, spell components. But in even, yeah, okay. Um, Cuthbert, is there any advantage to returning these items with the tracking on them or without? I mean, surely if you take these three gems back and they haven't got the tracking on them, then Granny isn't going to go, oh, you took the tracking off them. I mean, she's going to go, thank you very much, if we were to come to that point. And if we were actually, if we remove the tracking, then at least... We get rid of the fact that we're, you know, we're basically being probably being followed at the moment, which would certainly. Would, what's uh, the journey time to even? It's a succession start. of non-answers. It's a very simple question: Do we remove the tracking on the gems and hang on to them, or do we return them, or do we give them some? No, else? because do we give them to the months? You can do you can do one of those things and not the other. Yeah, it's about three days. That's what I'm just uh, trying to. Journey to even star. And how long is it since we recovered the gems? Uh, oh, uh, you've got a, that's a good question. Days. I can tell you, yes, it's a Several few days, days now. Yeah, because we went all the way to the uh, to the lizards and back. Seriously, spending a lot of time on this, I wasn't expecting it to take so long. Oh, I think we should just head into even star. So talking about gems, well, let's just. I'd like 
just to answer the questions. Hmm. Um, give me a moment here. Uh, it was the 14th of Fumbulary when you went off on your tracking adventure yeah. looking for them. And it is now the 17th, 18th. So it's about three or four days you've had. Okay, so this, we're now at the point where the Calamanthus won't have arrived in Evenstar. Mm. It is the night of weekday, the 17th of Fumbulary. Three days after, which would be about the journey time back with the Calamanthus. So we're roughly at the point at which they'll realize it isn't coming. Okay, Dan, you've convinced me. I think we should remove the gems because the decision about whether we take them back and all that kind of stuff will happen later. We don't know how the story would evolve. And Cuthbert, I would recommend to you as well. Let me explain. Chain because even you do take the thing off and you take the gems back, then not going to be a problem, right? If Granny has put a tracking on these, they've been tracking them from when they set out. Yes. So it didn't matter when the Calamanthus deal happened or when the Calamanthus was supposed yes, to come back. Yes, it does. That's no, illogical. It d- yeah, no, it doesn't. She can track no, it, it, but she doesn't know that the deal hasn't taken place. They could well, legitimately... No, she, absolutely. What happens if you send somebody after them immediately? They may have seen everything already, and it might suspect. They have seen what? They can't well, see us. Surely it would be better they know for us that, if they, they know where the gems are, and there might be someone out. To, but as soon as we remove could the tracking, be they lose the trace. We, yeah. we don't know what she knows and what she doesn't know. I know. We know that they... I mean, I can tell you what I think, or or not. You can just ignore me. It's, it's entirely up to you. Yeah, go on. What do you think? Knowing Granny, if she'd sent these gems off with some reason in mind to track them, then she would have sent somebody to track them. And so we don't know whether somebody's been tracking them all along, not just going, yeah. oh, look, they haven't done this or they haven't done that. There may have been somebody very close by. But all so, the more reason for us to remove the tracking as soon as possible. But then, you know, in the film, when you find the tracking device, you throw it on the floor and you stamp on it. (laughs) But then if you just take three gems back, which have had the tracking removed, she's going to go, why do you take the tracking off? Well, we say because we were involved in other stuff and we didn't want interference from you. Up to you guys. What you do with yours, but mine, I'm taking back as is. Okay, let's roll for them. Let's roll for them then. Nope. <laughs> then That's we might have to take it from you. Yes, we might have to. Mexican standoff. Okay, not <laughs> really. <coming> up. <laughs> not really. Hestia is watching all of this with extreme yeah. interest. This discussion. It's he stopped staring at the table and stopped and has come out of his reverie, yeah. and now he is sort of his fingers are steepled, his chin is resting on them, and his eyes are flicking backwards and forwards between you as you discuss it. What I'm saying is that you don't know what my granny thinks. We're, we're, you don't know what my granny's done, and you don't know what she would do. No, so neither we're do you. The Quentin Tarantino glowing suitcase moment. And, here, and as as Hesty has just said, we're going to about to go into yeah. the centre of the lion's den. So it's up to you. But I'm not going to put myself at risk. But you are going to put the rest of us at risk. But you are at risk if this thing's being tracked. If this thing is being tracked and tracked closely, it's related. Nobody's and they know where we are, and they know what we're doing. Bump him off. Why would they know what we where we are? Well, they might know where we are, but why would they know what we're doing? And why would they know who we are? It doesn't matter who we are. If they are tracking and they have been tracking closely, they're waiting to see what happens. And if we go, if we do anything other than take them back, that will get. Well, we already have what done something other than take them back. Well, they don't know. They could just be watching. They could just be watching and waiting. Who knows? Why we went off on a wild goose, goose chase? chase. Who knows? That, that makes no sense. Well, I'm lizard. just saying it's up to you. It's up to you guys, yeah. but. You're not saying that. You're saying it's up to you. 
That's what you're saying. You're basically saying, well, I'm keeping this one and I'm taking it back. Yes. That's if you, if you do that, you're basically saying you, you're you're basically saying no. It's not up to you. It's up to me. That's what you're saying. You can keep. You can keep. You can roll off between you guys for, the, for those if you want. And so, what's your story when she asks where the others are? I see. You kept them. Exactly. So we know where your loyalties are. Your loyalties with her, not with us. I think I know what's safer. Mm. <laughs> mm, I'm not sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But anyway, back to the vote. Lucas, you're for you're for removing the tracking. I have one condition, though. Yeah. As long as I'm allowed to continue keeping one of them, I think that Isenfen may have cards in this game at some stage or other. So you want, want one sure of the three to be yours. Well, Paul I want, wants one of I the want three to, to be make his. sure that we that we keep our options open at some stage or other. We may well have to cut some kind of deal with these gems. That's my thinking, and I don't. What I don't want to have is a situation where we've given them all to Isenfen. Or that we've given them all back to Granny. Or we've sold them all. Let's say, you know, 30,000 GP. Yeah. Between what? How many of us are there? Five of us, right? So we're talking 5,000 GP each, potentially. So Paul is basically saying, I want 20 whatever thousand for me. And you're saying you want some for you, for isn't fair in case. I think the difference is you're placing monetary value on it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that yes, I've, come exactly to the, I I've come to the <laughs> position that Paul and I are placing bargaining value on these things. I'd be okay with removing the, um, the tracker. On That's it. all I'm proposing at the moment. I'm not proposing that we do we do anything, but at some point we're going to have to make a decision. We can't, I mean, we can just hang on to them for a while, but they're pointless yeah, if we're they're, just carrying around these, these gems. Well, no, they're a bargaining chip, and at some stage or other, I mean... They're not a bargaining chip. They're bargaining chip while we have them until we hand them over. Well, yeah, but then we, you know, we can make a choice as to who we hand them over to. Can we move Look, on? Let, let's put it this way. Let's Johnny, what's your way. vote? 20 grand. My vote is mob money. You know, I, I think well, we just give them all to Paul and then he brings them back to his aunt. Nobody's going to bump him off. But well, like, okay, it's but dirty it's not, money. You don't want to go anywhere near it. Have the mob after you. Or the monks. There's no evidence that they were after the money. They were just after control of Calamanthus. Nothing. So the well, gems, okay. are, you know, let's that deal's a done way. deal. There was some deal. It's a sunk cost. So well, Graham. Yeah, but... but Okay, but it's a sunk cost for both parties. I mean, you know. I think I'm going to leave it to misfortune. I'm going to toss my coin. Mm -hmm. And if it's snakes, we'll keep them. If it's ladders, we'll give them back. Okay. Well, this might annoy some people. Yeah, that works. Ladders. (laughs) I'm going to give them back. So, okay. Misfortune has told us to return them. (laughs) I I don't know who to return them to yet, but um, that's the direction of travel. Marvellous. Snakes, it's the monastery. Yes. Uh, and ladders, it's the ouch splinters. <laughs> ladders. Hey! It's ladders. <laughs> so it's the ouch splinters. be very interesting what would have happened if, you'd gone the, if it had gone the other way. Because we would have basically had a set two with Paul. Yes, yeah, we would have. Well, it's a question of whether or not <laughs> the rest of you want to follow along with that. I'm surely, well, we from had the a, sense of, from the sense of listening vote. to your long conversation, it sounds like Cuthbert would be... In favour. Johnny's very in favour. Okay. Are you setting off for Evenstar in the morning? Yes. With... Okay. So you are leaving the enchantment yes. on these gems. Are you keeping them with the people that were currently carrying them and you're heading off for Evenstar in the morning? Is that... No, I'm not carrying it. So who are you passing yours to? 
Don't I just need to know who's I'm carrying it on the time. ground. I'll pick Fine. it up. Okay, so Cuthbert is carrying two of them and Parker is carrying one of them. You emerge blinking into the sunlight of the following morning, still arguing. At one point, well, Purple just goes up, sod it, just drops time. his gem on the ground and Cuthbert, walking along behind him, picks it up, sticks it in his pocket. Well, I think, honestly, um, Sessions is quite disappointed as well. <laughs> What's that? Quite disappointed with the guidance he's been given. <laughs> yes, well, that's a thing. Sessions, Sessions looking like, why did I ask my God? Parker's still not sure. Bugraft, absolutely clueless is what all the fuss is about because he missed the entire affair because he was asleep overnight in the farmhouse that night. Uh, no, I'm, uh, he had a boat. I'm not sure. I'm reasonably sure now about what needs to happen with these Fine. gems. And um, your little group sets off. But I don't, I don't trust, um, I don't trust uh, Cuthbert anymore. His loyalty's not with us. It's, it's with his family. He's shown that. So it is Hillary, uh, Michaela Vendrin, Marzena, and yourselves in the cold light of day, rather unconvincingly dressed as town militia. <laughs> you set off, you follow the old company road, but don't follow down the spur, down the slope into town. But keep going round and follow the main road towards the head of the Emma Water. So the Emma Water, let's just get you the map. Diamond Lake empties into a small river that joins others. And the terrain is difficult and the river is not navigable up at the Diamond Lake end of things. There's a road that runs down that the mining companies use to ferry ore and so forth down to Snoot Hortling, which is where the Emma Water becomes navigable. And the road is busy. Carts from the mines, jostling with other traffic, toing and froing. The road switchbacks down through the very kind of steep terrain as you tip over the lip of the edge of the Cairn Hills and down towards the plain of the Emma Water. And even Star is basically three days' ride. You, If you stayed off the road, it would be longer, four to five days. If you kind of kept uh, side roads, you kept off the road at night, I mean, or you kept to the kind of rough terrain in order not to be observed, it would take longer. You're not sure that that is, you know, you have a disguise of sorts. You're not remarked upon by anybody as you pass them. You can travel by barge. You can effectively rent space on one of the ore barges that runs down from Snoot Hortling to even Star itself. It's no quicker. They crawl along, but it's a bit more relaxed. Either way, it's a pretty standard journey. Cuthbert made this journey in the other direction only uh, a short week or so ago. Is that it? Just a week or so. What did I say was today the... Today is like the 18th or the 17th or 18th of Fumbulary. Mm, yes, it must be. Just said. So it's just like a couple of weeks ago, maximum. Bloody hell. So you can either camp out or you can stay at inns. The first night, everybody stays in one of... There's only two inns in somewhere called Lug. If you're looking at the map, it's basically a village that or a little townlet that only really exists in order to service mine and other trade traffic going up and down the Emma Water. There are two pubs, two inns. One is called the Sunken Barge. The other one is called the Ceremonial Arms of Lug. Uh, nobody knows how it got that name. Your journey passes. I mean, at that point, passes without incident. Um, the next day is Sunday, the 19th of Fumbulary. There is only one place to stay at the end of the second night. It's where everybody stays on the way up and on the way down. What you would call a rest stop complex called Gateway to the Falls. It's sort of sprawled out. There's very overexpensive hostelries and eateries and places to stay. And there's really not much option but to patronise. I mean, unless you take a packed lunch with you. Uh, it's just one of those places they just rinse you for money. You can stay the second night at the Gateway to the Falls. You sit out in the one of the areas of tables that are laid out outside one of these hostelries. And they have 
great braziers kind of burning to keep everybody warm, blankets people sit out, or they kind of patronise the ale halls. You're keeping yourself to yourself. You're probably still arguing about the money, but in a break in your arguments, somebody give me a perception check. Ooh, a perception check. Perception a, I mean, I want a, 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 a set of perception checks from you, basically. Cuthbert uh, rolls 64. Uh-huh. I rolled a three. Three? No, okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Anything else? 19. 19, that's good. Okay, I think that's too good enough. Uncle Buggy. Rolls, yeah. I've got six. Okay, Uncle Buggy and Cuthbert. Your eyes meet as you both notice the same thing. There's a... Somebody walks past a window as you're all sitting together eating, who you both recognise from the night before. It's just a bit weird. I mean, there are people you do see people on journeys like this. You know, people are travelling in the same direction. But something has stuck in your mind about this person. It's a, a woman. She's got short hair. She's got some kind of... Maybe is it an eye patch or something? She looks like she's wearing outward bound clothes, right? Wilderness garb. Duns and greens and browns, leathers. First night, you thought she looks like she can take care of herself. And they really think much more of it. Second night, she just walks past, and you just think she was looking at you at your table. She walks past a window, and you're like, she was the, that was the woman from last night. She was looking at us. So we're being followed by her because of the gems. Well, that's a whole separate, I don't know. But I mean, that's what you, that's what you see. Do you want to do anything about that? Yeah, why not? Okay. I mean, you I'll can. I'll go up and talk to her. You saw her pass a window. You're looking across this courtyard. There's all these different hostelries, and you see her pass a window on the inside of one. It really reminds you of that time that you saw Tira. Do you remember Tira, the elven yes. thief? Yes. In the feral Square. dog. It's very like that. It's like that same thing. Just a glimpse that tells you that she was looking at you through the window as she walked past the window. If you run into that place, there's no sign of her just gone there's nothing there's nobody in there if you stop a couple of people and sort of you know did you see that did you see a woman they're like oh I'm sorry mate no, 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 no I don't know and there's just no, it's like she's vanished it's like she's just disappeared like mist anyway next day how interesting is Asmodee the 30th of sorry the 20th of Fumbulary and on the afternoon of the third day you reach Evenstar the first impression is noise and smoke on the horizon and as you approach this is sort of sound builds this sort of murmur Cuthbert recognises it. Cuthbert's been here before. You guys have grown up in a small town. It's the sound of thousands of people going about their lives. It's just odd to you. And then like, there's the bells of temples, the bells of cathedrals, the kind of buzz of industry. To you, it's just like, the scale is just, it's crazy. Are they ignoring lockdown? I mean, what are they doing? What are they thinking? No, they're all wearing masks. Oh, okay. I haven't been here for many years. Bug graph. Maybe. You, yeah, no, I think... 40 years. Yes, very possibly, yes. In the background, there's this this roar, and that's the roar of the falls. The falls of farewell. So the emerald water just goes over the edge of the barrier cliffs. Evenstar sits on the edge of these miles-high cliffs. On the other side of the cliffs is the lands that wait, which is just, well, nobody really knows very much about them. Most evils are uh, projected onto the creatures that live there. But so far as anybody knows, it is an area of sort of forest and jungle wreathed constantly in mist, miles below the edge of the cliff. That's all really anybody knows. Under all of this human noise, there's this roar and this smoke in the air. And then above the town, there's like this, there's a cloud that catches the sun and just spreads rainbows everywhere that comes from the falls as they tip over the edge of the world. The city is walled, and you can really only see as you approach two features. One is the Marshall's Mount, 
which is a, a kind of slab-sided mesa in the center of the town with Evenstar Keep sitting on its summit, which is topped by this luminescent blue dome, which is what you can see at night. During the day, it's just a sort of pale radiance. During the night, it's a sharp light that you can see for miles. And then the other feature that you can see is what's called the Sorcerer's Spire, which is where the Wizards University is. And that sits on an island in the Emma Water in its own little enclave. The river, the Emma Water, runs around, skirts the, um, the city walls and then disappears from view round behind the city, where you presume that's where it, uh, well, Cuthbert knows this, where it, it falls off the edge of the world. Yes. It looks like getting into the city, and again, Cuthbert knows this, is not straightforward. The closer you get, the busier the road gets. The city has got a series of gates. The one that you're heading to is called Mountain Gate, unsurprisingly, and it's the main route into the city for all traders. There's a, a section of the city which is called Paddock, which is used to just be literally that, a space outside, south of the city, outside the walls, where traders and entertainers and merchants and whatever would pull up and build, make camp, build their caravans, but not actually be allowed entry into the city. That has now, over 100, 200 years, has become a, a sort of a weird informal part of the city itself. Paddock you could stay at and go in to now if you wished, and a lot of the traffic that is crossing what's called the only bridge turns left at the end of that bridge and into this paddock area which doesn't require the scrutiny of the guards doesn't require you going through the gates but for you to go and visit Eligos who lives in a district called Nine Deeps which is a very prestigious district in the centre of, of Evenstar you will need to go through Mountain Gate and there is a bit of a queue they are looking for contraband you know Cuthbert that the militia have got very stringent rules around drugs destructive magic all sorts of things yep. that said you also know Cuthbert that really they only concentrate on people who look like they might be trouble. And as you get closer, you realise that the guards at the gate are pretty busy. And in fact, one of them keeps looking over and starts to sort of pull you forward through the traffic because you're wearing militia uniforms. Mm -hmm. And it, you are sort of it, it, to much grumbling around you from all of the other travellers and, and sort of supplicants waiting at the gate. You are waved through. Uh, vendor, in fact, is a passing acquaintance, it turns out, of one of the one of the centuries. The way that the city is organised is it is organised under the governance of a... We're not going to get into some great big thing about the way that even Star works. We can uncover these or talk about these little elements a bit at a time, but the security of the city is run by this organisation called the Regiment or the Companionship of the Broken Staff, and they are divided into a series of companies, each of which is associated with a gate into the city. That's how they organise themselves. So there is uh, the Mountain Company are based at Mountain Gate. And Mountain Company are also the company that are the Griffin Riders. There are spurs and poles protruding out from the great Barbican, the great gatehouse of Mountain Gate. And each has got a couple of these um, regiment flyers sitting on these Griffins, watching the crowds below. You go through this gatehouse and then you've got a choice. You can either take a right towards uh, the gates that go up to the keep and the gates that go up to the Sorcerer's Spire, or you can turn left, which is the way that you would need to go to visit Eligos, that takes you through a district called Mountain, named after the gate, and then north of a district called Resined, which is a bit of a run-down, tumble-down area, towards the area of Nine Deeps. Nine Deeps is named because uh, the gate that sits in the middle of Nine Deeps goes underground into the cities under the earth in the, the dunge, the great complex of tunnels and halls and passageways and other mysterious areas underground. 
but before you get close, as you're going through these kind of throng, I mean, the, the, the ones of you from Diamond Lake who've never been to, or even Bugraft, who's only been, hasn't been here for 20, 30, 40 years, it's just like overwhelming how many people there are. And it seems to be that actually, as you're making your way towards Nine Deeps, that things are becoming more and more congested, and it becomes clear what that congestion is. There is a parade running across the main road that you're travelling along from right to left. And it's only when there are breaks in the parade that people are actually free to travel. So you're sort of in fits and starts. You get closer and closer to this crossroads. As you get within, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 feet of this parade as it's going past, one of the one of the wagons goes past. And in this wagon, there is a, a chimera trapped inside some kind of magical cage and then some kind of, kind of glass box. And it's roaring, it's rearing, it's, it's breathing. It's not breathing flame, it's breathing uh, lightning at the inside of this box. And the crowd are like, woo, you know, and kids are kind of throwing stones at it and people are kind of taunting it and its handlers are sort of whooping up the crowd's interest. And you find yourselves being pushed as that sort of crush thing. People behind you are pushing on. And then at just at this instant when you're within about, I don't know, sort of 15, 20, 15 feet of the, of the junction in this wagon, two things happen. The first thing that happens is that there is an explosion. <laughs> there is a detonation. It's on the far side of this wagon. And the glass box and the cage that this chimera in is just blown apart. And you can see there's clearly been some damage on the other side. You hear screams, there's smoke. But the second thing that happens is that you're attacked from above and behind. Very specifically, it seems like arrows are being fired at you. You hear and a couple of arrows come zooming in at you. One comes in at, I'm just going to roll randomly, one, two, uh, one, two, four, Parker, an arrow uh, shoots past your shoulder, and I'm just going to roll just to see, yeah. D6, one, two, three, harmless, four to six, not, four to six, not, and thuds into the side of a another one of the crowd who's jostling along in front of you. And another arrow uh, on a two is aimed at Burple, and misses you as well. One to three harmless, four to six not. Four to six not. It misses you and it thuds into somebody else. But they clearly, you just get the sense that you're definitely being targeted. And as you're moving, you hear the sound of more arrows in the air. And we'll pick it up next week. Uh. How exciting. <laughs> so the, the order of the broken staff is anything to do with the Rotten The Billowing Hilltop podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Hall of Harsh Reflections and Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Hall of Harsh Reflections was written by Jason Bullman. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening! Travelers, seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of. Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big ass melon? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I was going for more. Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him. Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, but brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks.